Cashflow Diary Podcast, episode 224. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. The podcast that teaches you insider tips, tactics, and strategies for creating leveraged streams of cash flow into your life. Learn from top-performing entrepreneurs, business owners, investors, and thought leaders from across the globe as they share their secrets to success. Like what you learn on this and other Cashflow Diary podcast episodes? Go to learninvestingnow.com and sign up to receive powerful tips and information that will help you succeed as an entrepreneur and investor. Now, here's your host, investor, entrepreneur, business owner, educator, speaker, author, and master facilitator of Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow Game, Jay Massey. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Diary Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Massey, and I'm glad that you're here today because you are going to hear from an incredible entrepreneur, but more importantly than just that, you're going to get a different perspective on cash flow than you may have gotten. No matter how many of the episodes you've listened to before, I think today is going to be one of those days where you want to replay this one over and over and over again, take some notes, and just understand that it's how you respond to things when you are afraid that makes all the difference. But most importantly, being resourceful is the key to making it work. Entrepreneurship is not a straight line, straight to the top, and that's okay. It's not just you. And I think today's guest will be able to help you understand that, and not only understand that, but just the wide range of impact that you can have with your idea and going out there to make things happen. He's been called the chief happiness officer. He's been called the dean of social enterprise. He's also an entrepreneur in residence. He's a founder. He's a co-founder in other companies, speaker, workshop presenter, consultant, and mentor. He does a lot of things. But right now, what he's going to do is impart to you wisdom that will help you build your cash flow. Help me welcome Mike Birchich. Mike, you there? I'm here. Looking forward to it, Jay. I'm glad that you have managed to, you know, tear yourself away from everything that you are doing. I thought I was busy, but you redefine it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things going on. Um, I try to, uh, you know, I'm I'm a really big stickler for productivity, time management, all that kind of stuff. I, you know, I, I read up on that stuff. I I try to get the most I, I can out of every hour of my day, and and uh, so so far so good managing it all. This list of things, you know, b- between all of the companies and and the places that you help uh, to to grow, I'm just like you. You not only look to get the most out of your time, but other people's too. So you, <laughs> I'm like, man, this guy is good, and I definitely want to make sure that no matter what we talk about today, that we get an opportunity to talk about your newest project, The Social Entrepreneur. So make sure you remind me before we get too far into it. However, I've got to ask you the first question. I look at today's entrepreneurs a lot like yesterday's superheroes, you know, Batman, Superman. Do they have superheroes in Canada? Uh, we, a- have, we have Captain Canuck. Captain Canuck. Okay. Hey, we got to start somewhere. And every superhero in some way, shape or form uses their skill sets. They occasionally we get they get dressed up just like entrepreneurs do. We get dressed up, they put on, you know, masks and tights and capes and use their special skills to improve the quality of life of other individuals. And I think entrepreneurs do the exact same thing. 
also like superheroes. Superheroes are one day just normal people. You know, they just got bit by a spider. Maybe they tripped over a rock, bumped their head and forgot who they were and invented a new person for themselves. And and that's how things happened. And the same is true for entrepreneurs. Before you were, were the cheap happiness officer, which, by the way, I think is the fate of all the titles you carry. I think that's probably my favorite one. Before you were chief happiness officer, before you were out there digging into the lives of other entrepreneurs and pulling out their greatness and helping them show it, before you were doing the number one mountain bike tour company on earth, before all that, what we want to know is who is Mike Burchich? <laughs> wow. Wow. That's quite a, quite a, uh, interesting starting question. Uh, I'm trying to think how far I go back to answer that question. Somewhere uh, after conception, but before death. Yes. Yes. Um, you know what? I, I, I really think of my life as having, uh, two significant phases. And there was one moment hmm. that really marked the sort of delineation point between the two. And, uh, and I'll, and I'll tell you about that. Um, and I'll tell you about my life before that. I, I graduated from university uh, way back when. It's, a, it's been a few years now. But uh, after I graduated, I, I packed up my, my Volvo station wagon. And, I, and the day after my final exam, I drove out west to the mountains like uh, a lot of young people before me and ended up in this little rocky mountain town called Fernie in British Columbia, just, just north of uh, the Montana-British Montana, Columbia border. And it was, you know, at the time it was just, I had a degree in economics and history and I didn't really think I wanted to work in that field and didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to defer my decision. I'm just going to move out west and be a ski bum for, uh, for a winter and then I'll figure out, uh, quote unquote, real life after that. <laughs> um, I, I actually got, got fired from my first two jobs, one uh, as a lift operator at the ski resort and one as a bar uh, the day, day shift bartender at a real rough and tumble mining bar. Mm. Um, and, you know, did a little bit of soul searching after that and thought, geez, I don't know if I'm a very good employee. Uh, <laughs> uh, evidence doesn't seem to suggest so. And, thought, you know, why don't I get my, uh, give entrepreneurship a stab and kind of thought about, you know, things I love to do and opportunities and Fernie at the time was this small little town uh, that was starting to gain a reputation as a, as a tourist hotspot and that uh, had a, you know, really uh, robust uh, growing ski culture there and lots of tourists coming in. But in the summer, it was pretty dead. And there was ton there's tons of mountain bike trails there built by the locals. Uh, not a lot of tourists yet, but I could see that there were more and more of them coming all the time. And that there was an opportunity to take people out on these uh, trails because, they, you know, you could go on one trail and, and get lost within 15 minutes. Uh, so I thought, hey, there's an opportunity here and, and uh, managed to secure a $10,000 loan from a local sort of uh, uh, community futures organization, it was called, and, uh, and hung up a, a shingle and started offering trips. And it was a bit of a, you know, it was a bit of a rough go uh, at the start, but by Year three, year four, we were starting to pick up steam. I had a partner back then. I, I bought him out in year five. Um, and by about year nine, things were starting to hum along and developing a good reputation. And that, and, in, and I basically ran the company from mid-June to mid-September. It was a pretty short season. In the off-season, I skied my brains out. Uh, I played in a band. I toured all over the, all over the world with uh, my band. Uh, you know, I was living the life of Riley. And 
in yeah. 2004, uh, I moved to uh, I moved to another town, Golden, but three hours north. And I was dating. I started dating a girl who lived there. And this is where the story takes an interesting uh, interesting twist. Uh, for you know, for probably a couple of years before that, I'd had this sort of vague sense of unease that something wasn't just that something wasn't quite right, and I and I couldn't really put my finger on it. And everything seemed fine. I was living a great life, and you know a life that other people dreamed about. And a lot of my friends who went straight into, you know, office jobs after university just thought I lived the, the coolest life ever. But something just didn't feel right. And I started seeing this girl. And then Christmas Eve 2004, uh, she broke up with me. She dumped me flat out, said, it's not working. I think we got to call it quits. And you know, there's always a girl involved. <laughs> there's, always, <laughs> there's always a girl involved. Okay. Um, I... I'd been dumped before, you know, and, and it's it's never any fun. But this one, uh, this one was different. And I basically crawled up, crawled back to my bedroom, and I more or less didn't get out of bed for the next month. Uh, you know, I got up to for bodily functions and to occasionally to get some food, but uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was it was a journey that took me about two years uh, to recover from. And I didn't really at the time I didn't really know what was happening. Uh, but looking back, you know, looking back at it now, uh, I entered a, a fairly severe depression uh, at that time, and you know, strangely enough, triggered by this woman that I'd only been seeing for a month. But uh, it's one of those things that you know, triggers are often uh, various things like a, a divorce or losing a job, or whatever can can trigger depression. I'd never experienced it before, and it was really a different experience for me. Uh, I eventually ended up back in Toronto uh, about six months later. I'd kind of seen a doctor. He prescribed antidepressants. I took them. I stopped taking them. I take them again. I was kind of on this roller coaster ride and moved back to Toronto, which is where I grew up, and uh, ended up ended up living in my mom's basement. I was pretty much broke at the time, uh, and there I was. I was uh, I was I was 34 at the time, and I was living in my mom's basement. wasn't really sure if I wanted to keep my business going. It didn't seem very promising uh, at the time. And just kept sinking further and further uh, into this de depression. And I, you know, I kind of tried various things, none of which really worked. And one night, I, I'd, I'd never really had, um, you know, suicidal thoughts up until that, that point. But one night I woke up, and I woke up shaking. And I was shaking because I just had this intense feeling of dread come over me that I'd never experienced before. And it was this, it, it, it was this feeling that everything was just so incredibly awful and, and that there was going to be no way out of it. And I had this feeling like, if this is what it's going to be like, I can't possibly take this for the rest of my life, let alone the rest of the night. And I was shaking because I, I thought, boy, oh boy, I might actually have to do something to myself to stop this tonight. And I obviously, you know, I, I did not want to end my life. I somehow managed to get myself back to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, I knew that something had changed, that I was in a different phase, that it wasn't just sort of, you know, I, I'm, I'm depressed and I'm down in the dumps, that this was a, a, a much scarier, more dangerous place to be. And that was, that was the catalyst. And that, and that night was sort of the, the breaking point from, from my old life. And I started seeking out help wherever I could get it. I 
I, I went and saw my psychiatrist and I committed to, you know, antidepressant medication just to get out of the, the absolute worst of it. But I knew that that wasn't the solution. So I started seeing a therapist. I started doing group therapy. I started doing yoga, meditating, exercising uh, like a maniac. Mm. And it took me, you know, it took me another good six to eight months. Mm -hmm. uh, but by the time I actually came out of it, I felt, uh, I felt, you mentioned superheroes. I felt like a superhero. I felt so much stronger. And because of the experience that I'd gone through, felt like I had a completely different uh, outlook on life and an outlook on myself uh, where I'd gone through this intense period of soul searching where I was able to empathize with other people's difficulties and, and really see the world in a new light. And so, you know, this is a, a long-winded answer to your question, but uh, I guess who I am is very much, at this point in my life, is very much shaped uh, by that time in my life and, and in particular by that evening in question. And it's caused me to really examine my purpose for being in the world, uh, how I relate to the people around me, how I, uh, how I treat the people uh, around me. And uh, I guess that's, uh, that's my long and, and short answer to a very big question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like this because there are a number of people when speaking in, in any arena, they, they shy away from the concepts of the adversity, the resistance, the struggle. Those are that that's kind of how we're refined, that refinement process that makes the entrepreneur you see on TV or on Forbes or, or in the newspaper on Yahoo or wherever you see them, even if it's just a guy doing ads on Facebook, it, that entrepreneur, that real estate investor, that inventor, that person you see has had Many of these things happen in various different ways, and it's only through emergencies do we emerge, and most importantly, find things like you were saying, purpose, relate, uh, learning how to relate to people and be in a genuine relationship, and that's part of what shapes us. So I definitely appreciate you sharing that so that other people, because I know there's somebody listening who's feeling a number of those emotions uh, in one way, shape, or form about themselves, about their opportunity, or, or maybe, you know, they just hit a record low on their revenue and like, oh my God, what's really going on? Uh, all of those things happen, but there's something back I, I want to back up to. You you threw it out there really, really fast. I, it, it's, it sounded like you started this business uh, with a $10,000 loan and an idea. That's all I heard. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> I, I mean, I, the, I like it. The, the part that's uh, missing from the equation is uh, I convinced, I convinced a, a good friend to join in on the journey with me. And, and, uh, and he was around for about five years. He left to go to chiropractic college, but... Yeah, um, you know, we. I, I still have a copy of my fir my first business plan. This is back. This was nineteen ninety six, and it's and it's funny. You know, it's like Comic Sans font, and it just it looks it looks ridiculous. Right. Uh, but it's uh, it's funny to go back and look at that business plan. You know, I, I just typed up a five six page business plan, put in my application to Community Futures, and and said we need ten grand to get this thing off the ground, and. Uh, and and you know it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say we spent that ten grand wisely, but we certainly learned some lessons uh, along the way. And it and uh, you know it was the initial spark that we needed to to get going. And and it's funny. Our our first summer, uh, we had a grand total of of one client, uh, one customer nice. 
for nice. a one for a one day trip. I think it was like a hundred dollars, something like that. Woohoo! Uh, yeah, and so I took him out. I took him out bike, uh, mountain biking for the day in the Frenia area, and he must have thought I was I was drunk or something or high because I had this massive grin on my face the entire day, <laughs> and I just I could not believe that somebody was actually paying me to ride my mountain bike, and it was, you know, it felt like the greatest day of my life, and uh, that was that was all the motive motivation I needed. I mean, we, we had spent some of that money to buy a rental bike fleet and we did okay renting bikes. We didn't really do well so well on the tours until about year three or four, but boy, oh boy, was that a good feeling to just get paid doing something you love. Exactly. I can, I can, I think many people can imagine that it's like, I cannot believe that people give me money to do this very thing that I would do for free, but oh my God, this is awesome. And, and we don't realize the value that we can create just in our own joy and the things that we care about. But yet you decided to to go through this transition. And that's really what I want to talk about. Okay, so you, you're on the other side of what I call these inflection points or these superhero moments, if you will. There's this moment where, you know, every superhero goes through, they realize, hey, I have a special gift. Hey, I'm different in some way, shape or form. Now that I recognize and accept that I am different, I need to go out there. I'm going to choose to go out there and use my differentness in such a way to be able to help other people. What I want to hear is how you came to that decision and deciding uh, to take this new version of you. So we'll call it Mike 2.0 and, and go out there and, and, and do something with it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, you know, I think the, the, the first step for me was to really, um, just get myself uh, as healthy as possible. And, you know, looking back, I can recognize just what was going on inside me prior to that point uh, and the issues that I was struggling with and didn't, you know, didn't re- couldn't really put a handle on until they, they came to a head. But those were all holding me back from, from success in my, in my professional life, in my business, and, uh, you know, and keeping me from, from achieving, achieving the goals I wanted. Uh, so for me, the first thing was like deal with deal with all this this crap, this emotional baggage, and you know all this kind of stuff through yoga, through meditation, through therapy. You know, and I, I pretty much did everything I uh, I could, um, and and get myself to a point where I really recognized who I was and what my strengths were, uh, and I was able to face my demons, and 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 then that gave me this uh, this incredible sense of energy to then uh, you know I I had done a whole bunch of soul searching throughout that time and was thinking, you know, what do I actually want to do with my life? At one point, you know, I applied and got into naturopathic college and I was going to be a, a, a naturopath, a naturopathic doctor. And a, hmm. you know, I did, I did some work as a radio producer and tried oh, okay. those are not connected by the way. No. <laughs> and, uh, but ultimately I, I, I came back to my business and, and discovered that I actually really loved my business. I really loved being an entrepreneur. I love travel. I love mountain biking and, and this realization that you know this this thing this company that I sort of built as a as a hobby and as a you know kind of just an afterthought that it actually it really was uh, where I wanted to uh, spend a lot of my time you know uh, whatever we're doing you know whether we work at a company or whether we run our own business we we spend the majority of our waking hours doing that and and boy you know is is it a is it a uh, is it a gift to be able to spend those hours doing something you love. And, you know, I realized that I got a lot of joy out of my company and I provided an incredible amount of joy to our customers and what a way to, you know, spend a life. And so that gave me, you know, that, 
that clarity gave me the motivation and the energy to really dive into it. And I started, I started reading every business book I could and subscribing to all the entrepreneurship magazines, attending events, uh, finding mentors, and just learning everything I could uh, about entrepreneurship and, and applying that in my business. Uh, and then about five, uh, five years ago, mm-hmm. uh, right around the time my twins were born, I, I launched uh, kind of a <laughs> crazy idea. I'm going to launch another business as, I'm, uh, as we're having twins. But I launched... In, uh, <laughs> That's called triplets, by the yes. way. That's because you're having triplets right there. Uh, yeah. Uh, I launched a social enterprise incubator. I'd kind of been you know, casually mentoring a few uh, entrepreneurs on the side and I decided I wanted to make this, you know, a formal thing. Uh, and, I, and I developed this incubator where people could apply with their ideas. They did it through a video. Uh, and then through a combination of public voting and jury voting, we narrowed that down to 10 finalists. I worked with them for eight weeks to help them really develop a, a strong business model. And then they did a, you know, Shark Tank uh, style pitch to our jury. We had a big flashy kind of event with TV cameras and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one winner walked away with $25,000 in startup grant. Three runners-up got $2,500. They got free workspace. Uh, I worked with them for a year. Uh, and that sort of started me down the path of, of working with entrepreneurs. And I've been doing consulting and, and workshops and, and, and mentorship and all kinds of stuff uh, over the last five years. And, and I just love it. You know, there's, uh, here in Toronto, we have uh, a really exploding entrepreneurship um, scene it's it's not Silicon Valley yet, but boy, is, it, is it catching up? And there's just so many people with incredible ideas, and uh, you know whether it's to have an impact on a local level or a national level or a global level. There's there's an explosion of energy and enthusiasm and ideas here, and and uh, I love being a part of that. Right, right. Well, from what I hear, just just so you know, I hear that the real estate prices are pretty much the same. So you might as well be Silicon Valley. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we've quite caught up to, to the valley, but we're getting there, that's for sure. Yep, 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 yep. So now what I absolutely love is how, and, and I hope everybody hears this, you've heard this from a number of guests before in the past. You you start out doing your own thing. As you grow, as you change, you start to want to help other people do their own thing in various different ways. And if you're developing enough systems within your enterprise you have the time to do it. You actually have the crazy idea of, hey, let's have twins and start a business at the same time because, hey, I've got systems and things in place to be able to make that happen. What I want to talk about, though, is when you've worked with entrepreneurs or even yourself in your own business, um, the, the generally the thing is, I mean, when you when if you you mentioned Shark Tank, the number one thing that I, <laughs> you, I can count on in between Shark Tank, Dragons, and those shows is you're going to hear, so how many sales do you have? You know, how, how much is sales? And sales is this. And sales is great. I mean, that's top line. All problems. Hear me clearly, entrepreneurs. All problems. Every problem you're having in business, they primarily can be solved with more sales. It just cures so many things. But that's not the end of the story. What have you seen in terms of working with under entrepreneurs or maybe even yourself when it comes to a, a hyper focus on sales and and just how to to make your business work? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, um, a couple of years ago, I guess it would have been um, mid 2013. And then I did it again in 2014. Uh, I raised a total of about a half a million dollars uh, from investors 
to finance a growth plan. And my, my business had been chugging along nicely for the few years before that, and I was financing everything through cash flow. Uh, but I, you know, I had some grand ambitions, and uh, I knew that if I was trying to finance everything through cash flow, it would take me a while to to uh, to to make those ambitions come true. Uh, so I, I went I went to investors. I raised about a half a million dollars, and I put my growth plan into place, and hiring people and investing in IT, investing in marketing, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, not a lot of money by Silicon Valley standards, but to me, it felt at the <laughs> pocket change. Pocket change. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I dropped the half a million out of my pocket. Can you pick that up, please? Yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. <laughs> Taxi ride tip. Taxi ride tip, right there. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, and so the you know the the growth plan was primarily focused on let's really let's really blow up that that top line that sales and. Uh, and that and that plan has has worked uh, has worked really well. For you know, we're about two years in uh, to that plan since the first time uh, I raised money, and our revenue growth has been has been great. But recently, about a month ago, uh, started noticing that we were getting into some cash flow issues. That our, our cash was uh, getting dangerously low, and <clears throat> and since then, uh, even lower. Uh, I had thankfully you know. Bef- Back in the days when I was flush with cash and things were good, uh, I went to my bank and I managed to negotiate a nice big fat line of credit just so I could prepare. I knew that, uh, you know, I've been doing it already for 16, 17 years at that point. I knew there was always big ups and downs and that a down would eventually be coming and I wanted to prepare for it. So managed to negotiate a nice uh, a nice line of credit. And then, uh, you know, about a month ago, things started getting negative. And then since then, we've gotten into the line of credit, which kind of shocked me because, you know, sales have been growing. And, uh, and I started really digging into, digging into it and realizing just how much that focus on sales had forced me to get uh, really sloppy about the bottom line. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm pretty uh, religious about, about metrics and, and key performance indicators. I have a, a big fat dashboard you know, full of all our marketing metrics, our sales metrics, our, our customer ratings, all that kind of stuff. I don't. I don't have financial metrics. I mean, we, we track our sales, but I don't have uh, my net revenue on there. I look at a profit and loss statement, you know, at, at the end of our fiscal year, and I realized just how crazy that was. Uh, and I started digging into into that, looking at our operating expenses, looking at our cost of goods sold, uh, that kind of stuff, and realizing, boy, were we wasting a lot of money? And we were we were we hired more people than we actually needed. And so uh, I started looking at all that and finding tremendous opportunities for cutting expenses, cutting our cost of goods sold, uh, and the turnaround has been uh, has been incredible. Just in terms of where where we're going to be at this point next year, if we maintain the same, you know, even if we just maintain the same sales, let alone keep the pace of growth, it'll be a dramatic turnaround. Simply because I'm finally paying attention to costs, and I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs really. Uh, really fall short if they don't pay enough attention to those that bottom line to the and, and the, the cost. They just top line, top line. Let's get the sales, and that'll fix everything. Well, I, I can tell you, I'm connected with a lot of entrepreneurs who are going through or have gone through the same experience where um, they grow themselves broke and they grow themselves out of business. <laughs> right. You know, you 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 put too much focus on that top line and. And your your expenses will keep pace, and sometimes they'll they'll keep pace even more. And it, it's the same on a personal level, right? You you get a big raise, and all of a sudden you start spending more, and you get another raise, and you spend even more. And 
you know, you get a $10,000 raise and you start spending $12,000 more a year. Uh, and so it's really brought home to me the importance of really, uh, really keeping track of those costs. I've implemented a new structure uh, based on a book I read called Profit First, and I highly recommend it to everybody. But flipping the, you know, most entrepreneurs, they approach it uh, from a standpoint of they have sales and then they deduct their expenses and what's left over is profit. And often that's zero or negative or very little. Uh, the profit first approach, I really love it. It's look, taking a look at those sales and saying, how much profit do I want to get? You know, set a target of 10% or whatever. Deduct that from that, and that gives you an expense number. And then work your ass off to make sure you get your expenses down to that level so you can hit that profit target. And pull that money out of your sales and put it in a separate account and keep it there. That's your profit. And I love that approach, and it's something uh, we're going to be uh, implementing at my company. It's something I'm gonna, you know, I've already been kind of doing to some extent at home, but uh, just a bit of a different, different approach to it. And, you know, what I like about this is that... Th- a lot of the times, especially as real estate entrepreneurs, and I know a number of you are, not all of you, but I know a number of you are, this is relevant. You, when you hear words like cost of goods sold or operating expenses and all those types of things, understand it affects you and I just the same way when you're looking at negotiating your, your invoices. If you're running large multifamily complexes, look at your service agreements. I promise you, you're probably paying too much for your trash and sewer uh, right now. I, I'm almost certain of it. Second place is you're, you're looking at your, your taxes, your property taxes, to be specific. Guys, uh, for those of you that are already members, you know what you need to do in terms of how to challenge and lower those expenses and cutting those costs. Those things are key and they're definitely there. Uh, And you need to know the process and actually make that happen. But yes, sometimes that also means personnel. It's not fun. It's not exciting. But sometimes that means you have one too many persons in one particular department or on one particular building, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is just part of the business. You got to pay attention to all of those. Because as real estate entrepreneurs, guys, you know, we can get very swayed by that top line because our top lines are so stinking huge. Uh, because especially if you're doing apartment building, right? The top line looks great <laughs> all the time. Uh, the question is, what do you get to take home and are you paying attention to it? You know, um, Mike, what I heard recently, one of the best gifts that an entrepreneur can have is running out of money. How do you feel about that? And I'm sure right now you're thinking to yourself, running out of money. Well, I've already got that part covered. <laughs> I totally understand what what I'm really talking about here is, uh, you know, maybe you get your business started and then you run out of money again, or you have cash flow issues. Things go up, they go down all the way around. One of the greatest things that will ever happen to you on your entrepreneurial journey is to see yourself overcome challenges that you can't even possibly imagine at this particular moment in time. In fact, if you want to pick up some of the challenges and understand some of the ways to overcome those challenges, I'm going to make a suggestion. Grab a copy of my book, Cashflow Diary, 10 Steps to Creating Wealth in Any Economy. You can send a text message. Keyword is book. Text the word book to 72000 or go to cashflowdiary.com forward slash free book for those of you who are outside of the United States. Otherwise, just go ahead and send a text message, text book to 72000. And I'm going to share with you some of those ways that I've been able to overcome, deal with, 
and make it happen anyway, despite all of those odds. If you're feeling like the odds are against you, you're wondering how on earth you're ever going to get started. Well, you're the person that I wrote the book for. You know what to do. Go grab a copy. And now let's go find out exactly why running out of money is a gift. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, this this experience uh, over the last month or two, um, you know, I, I see it. Uh, I, I came to the same thing that I went through personally when I had that that big wake up call from the universe. Uh, it sort of re you know shifted my attention to where it really should have been. The same thing with my business is this has been a fantastic wake up call for me to think. You know, you really. Uh, you, you, the, the number one function of your business, it should make money. If you, if you're not focusing on that, uh, and again, you know, we've mentioned it bef- uh, before when we were chatting. Uh, some businesses, you know, I'm thinking of Amazon, Groupon. They, they, can, they can just keep bleeding money forever because investors are going to just keep piling money in. I mean, eventually, investors are going to stop, right? And those businesses got to figure out a business model where they're actually making money. You just can't keep losing money forever. Uh, the market's not going to support you forever. Number one function of a business, it should make money because if you want that business to continue, keep providing a livelihood, keep having impact on your customers, that kind of stuff, you got to keep making uh, ma- making money and, and paying those bills. And uh, you know, just going back to what we were talking about expenses, you know, I, I started with the with the low hanging fruit, and there were some big expenses that I could cut. Like, you know, I had two full time developers doing IT projects for me, and I had this big wish list, and you know, I was paying them. Uh, I was outsourcing them from from India and getting a great deal, but I was still paying them, I think, about fifty three thousand dollars a year collectively. And I realized, geez, like, and I've been doing that for two years. And I realized, geez, like, I've got this big crazy laundry list of projects, and really, I don't need half of this stuff. Uh, so I just went to one developer half time, and boom, you know, cut forty thousand uh, off of off of my payroll right there. And there were some big ones like that, but then I started diving into the little ones. And started looking at you know our my my income statement line by line, and uh, you know I use QuickBooks uh, online, so it spits out the report, and then I can click on any of those line items, and I can see all the things that go make up that that item. So you know I click on telephone, and I look at well we 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 spent a thousand dollars last year on long distance. That's crazy. Uh, we don't really do that much calling, and, and our <laughs> incoming calls are free with the package. Right. Have, and I realized. You know, we work out of a co-working space here, and we were just using the uh, the phones here, and we were paying these outrageous rates. And so I signed us up for an online phone system. It just gives us a, a, a number and a code that we punch in, and then we dial the number. And now we've gone from, you know, 80 bucks a month down to less than $5 a month. Yeah. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a huge thing, but you take a bunch of those little ones together. That's all bottom line. That goes right to the bottom line. I mean, we're talking... You know, this, the stuff that I've done just on operating expenses, a quarter of a million dollar turnaround. And some nice. of those are big and some of those are small. Uh, but that's money that's, you know, going to end up back in my pocket. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the taxes, of course. Well, well shh, don't tell them that. Um, <laughs> now, I, and I'm also assuming that there, you've probably discovered a couple of areas of opportunity that are, hey, I didn't know this particular product line or this particular service was doing so well. Yeah. Well, you know, for for me being in the in the travel business, we we off we operate about forty different trips, uh, and those are we have we have three three different business models. We have trips that we operate ourselves. We have trips that we run through local subcontractors, 
And we have trips that are run through a franchise program. And so all of those have, they have different margins. Uh, we, I started diving into each of them and looking at where the margins. And some of them, there was a huge opportunity to really uh, increase our margins, you know, lower the cost of the trip, raise the price of the trip, all kinds of things we could do there. But realize that, you know, some trips we had just fantastic margins on, you know, we, we, we certain trips we run, we get like 50, 60% margins on. And then there's other ones we're only getting, you know, maybe 10% um, and realizing, boy, we've got a massive opportunity there. Like these are the trips we really should be promoting. We should right. people over the head with these and saying, Hey, check, you know, check out our, our Peru trip or our Guatemala trip or something like that. Um, and, you know, obviously our number one goal is to get people on the right trip for them. But after that, uh, you know, there's a few options and we want to steer them to those high margin ones. And same, you know, if you're in the real estate game, you might have some properties where you're earning some fantastic margins and try to find some more properties like that or, you know, and exactly. really understand your numbers on a, on a property by property level. Absolutely. You are speaking my language. That is the language of cash flow, of course. And these are this is the work that goes into making sure that the portfolio works, the business works. And uh, I, I hope you guys are gaining a lot and gleaning a lot and taking notes. And, and if you felt the need to pull over to the side of the road, that was an appropriate feeling because what you are hearing is the insides, the inner workings. This is how you make sure that you stay in business for a number of years and that you just don't do deals on the side. So what I do want to hear about, though, is uh, your this newest project that I know that you've got going on, uh, because I, I think there's going to be a number of individuals who are listening that that probably would be interested to know uh, about the, the opportunities that you're helping make happen. Yeah, so... Um... As I mentioned, I've been I've been working with entrepreneurs for a number of years now. Uh, I've done dozens, maybe hundreds of workshops. Um, every every workshop that I, that I ever do with entrepreneurs, I like to I like to keep the focus on uh, on action as opposed to theory. And I want people to walk away knowing, you know, if they're looking to start a business or if they have a business, they're going to walk away knowing exactly how to apply. Um, you know what I'm talking about to their business, and in, and in most cases we will do that. We will do that action stuff right in class. Nice. Uh, nice. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want I, everybody. I I just really I'm getting all kinds of goosebumps over here. I know the kids are in the background. I'm sure you're on the treadmill. I'm sure you're probably washing dishes. I don't stop. I want you to hear what the focus was. Okay, say that again, Mike, because that is that is everything. The, the focus is 100% squarely on action. So uh, actions you can do right away on, on, on your business, your idea, uh, whatever it is that you want to bring to the world. And, you know, that was born out of, I, I, I'd attended a lot of entrepreneurship events. You get these speakers up there, you know, they're running $20 million, $100 million companies, and they kind of blather on, uh, you know, <laughs> what, what they did, and you scribble to take notes. And then, and then at the end of the night, you kind of, Thinking, well, that was kind of neat. It was inspiring, but boy, I have no idea how to apply this to to, to my business right now. And and I want and I, I wanted to address that 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 need and, and what people were really looking for is they wanted to know how can I what are the concrete steps I can take? You know, I, I love what you're saying. How can I apply that to my own business? And so every workshop I ran, you know, I would whether it's you know marketing workshop or talking about developing your business model, 
it's you know maybe maybe a third of the time is me is me talking, and the rest of the time is hey let's stop let's apply this to your uh, your idea your business right now and so I developed a lot of these handouts uh, you know probably probably about 250, 300 pages of handouts collectively uh, for these workshops. And my first thought was, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a book out of this. And then I realized, number one, a lot of the content was very uh, stuff that updates very frequently, you know, how to, run, uh, how to run online advertising campaigns or, you know, stuff like that. And boy, oh boy, would that book ever, ever get stale fast. Uh, and number two, you start looking into the, the economics of the, you know, the, the book publishing model. They're not very, they're not very good. For <laughs> Just so everybody knows, that's code for you don't write a book to make money. That's what he's trying to say. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a good calling card. It's great for credibility, but not, you know, unless you're, unless you're on the New York Times list, you're not making any money out of that. And so I realized a better format for this would be to, to uh, put it into an online, online course where people could follow along at their pace. It's all, in one, uh, it's all in one place. They can track their progress online, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, re- you know, I thought, oh, it's just a simple matter. I'll just slap this, this stuff online. And I started going through the content, and I realized some of this content is a little out of date. I need to update it. I need to add other content. I need to take some out. So uh, it wasn't quite as easy as I thought, and it's been about uh, 10, 11 months in the making. I, uh, that has been completely on the side you know, from running my business. I, I have a morning routine where I get up at 5 and I, and I do some yoga, I meditate, I do a little bit of workout, and then I set aside 30 to 60 minutes every morning for working on a side project. And this has kind of been the main focus of you know, uh, this online course has been pretty much used up most of those 30, 60 minutes for the last 11 months. But I mean, I guess that's another thing, you know, that I wanted to, people always talk about, oh, I want to, I want to write a book or I want to do a movie. I just got no, I have no time. Well, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to have a lot of time. Set aside 30 minutes every day. Most people can find 30 minutes right. in a day, whether it's in the morning or in the evening or during the day. You know, if you're doing 30 minutes a day regularly, you could, you could write a 600 page book in, in, in a year or two years. And, you know, it may take you two years, it may take you three years, but it, it, it'll get done, you know, and right. it'll, it'll actually be done by the time you're there. So anyway, so I, I got all the content up there and I've been beta testing it for the last few months. And this week it's actually, um, uh, it's actually launching and I'm, and I'm super proud of it. The content is amazing. The, I've been working with this guy to develop the infrastructure for it. So it's got all these different modules and chapters and you can track your progress as you read and go through the chapters. And more importantly, there's all kinds of tools and resources you can download. And there's a, Every module has a, a sidebar with action items, and it tells you exactly what you need to do to apply it to your business. And as you do it, you check it off, and you watch that progress meter go. Uh, and it's and, and it's really fun, and you can see how you're progressing along. Uh, so that's um, you know I think uh, I, I'm proud of the the setup of it, and I think it's uh, I think entrepreneurs are going to love it. I I agree. I mean, I'm down for anything that promotes action as opposed to theory. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a time to understand and, and learn what it is and learn about something. Uh, but I, I'm a firm believer that you don't know something until you've done it. Uh, you can know about many things, but you don't know it until it's part of you. And the only, there's only one way to make it part of you. And just studying about it is not 
that's just not going to be it. I mean, I'm sure to, you know, up to this point, Mike, you probably thought you understood business and cash flow until the last couple of months. You're like, now you understand it at a completely new level. If I would I be correct in that? Absolutely. The, you know, the, the level, uh, I always thought I was, you know, pretty good with numbers, but <laughs> the last month or two, I've, um, I've really, uh, tried to give myself an MBA in, in, in business financials. Really, you know, I, I knew how to read a profit and loss statement and I, I knew how to run a balance sheet and do a cash flow, but the, the level that I'm, that I've been diving into lately, you know, through books, through, through talking to friends, you know, CMAs and that kind of stuff, uh, really understanding how do you analyze those numbers? Because it's one thing to look at, you know, a balance sheet or profit and loss statement, but it's another thing to know how to analyze those numbers. Because what that is, it's a clue to tell you what you need to think about and what you need to worry about and what you need to focus on and what's doing great. Uh, and that's that's sort of next level uh, type stuff. And boy, it's been, you know, I've taken a lot of, uh, just taken a lot of joy actually out of out of really being able to learn this stuff and dive into it and really understand how my company operates and where it makes the profit and, and where it's losing money. And it's, um, you know, something that uh, every entrepreneur, uh, you know, whether you're a real estate entrepreneur or business entrepreneur, you really got to understand those numbers. And it's, you know, it's not rocket science. You could get a book like Profit First or take a, you know, an evening course for six weeks uh, and just, you know, don't offload that onto somebody else because they're not going to know your business better than you do. Um, right. So, and, and I'd always, up until this point, I'd always thought, well, I want to focus my time as an entrepreneur where I provide the most value for my business. So I'm going to outsource the, the, the bookkeeping and the receipt keeping and all that kind of stuff. And I realized, you know, that might work for some businesses, but mine is a, is a fairly complex business. And I have uh, dozens, maybe hundreds of suppliers from around the world. And different, I have three different currencies that I operate in and, you know, all kinds of different uh, rates for subcontractors, guides, all that kind of stuff. That's really hard for somebody outside to understand. And so I, I, I took back the bookkeeping from, I had, a, I had a bookkeeping assistant and a bookkeeper. I took that back from that. I, you know, I always thought it was, boy, that's just going to eat up too much of my time. It's about two, three hours a week for me. And I get to go through every expense, every bit, every dollar coming in, dollar going out. I get to see that. And I know exactly how that fits into the overall business. And I can, I know whether that's a legitimate expense or something that we should get rid of and Boy, oh boy, it's been eye-opening. No doubt, no doubt. And if you are out there wondering, how would this apply to you know my real estate? This is the difference between understanding uh, that you're, you're paying a set cost. You have a certain amount of fixed cost for every roof, for every door. And this is why you know you, you may think that one bedroom is wonderful to have, uh, but you may want the two bedroom or the three bedroom. And this is why we've often trained many of the members to focus on revenue per square foot, income per square foot expenses per square foot because that's the only way you're going to be able to figure out where that profit lies do i need more two bedrooms more three bedrooms do i want studios who's the customer that's really willing to pay the dollars in order to make the business sing and work so mike with, with all of this that you've talked about the ups and the downs and in you know at the end of the day um there's a, a question that I, i've got to ask has it been worth it Oh, absolutely! I, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine any other, any other way of being. Uh, you know, I love. The uh, thing is, as entrepreneurs, is we get to we get to create something every day, and we get to bring our ideas 
to life, and that's not that's not an opportunity that's afforded to to everyone. And the the you know I, I I've I've managed to get my business to the point where you know cash flow issues aside, recently we're, we're going to get through that. Um, but I've gotten it to the point where it's quite stable and um, operates well without me. You know I probably I probably put in about thirty hours a week uh, my business. Even back when I was, you know, doing 60, 70 hour weeks, the feeling of, of just, you know, working on something that you've created yourself mm-hmm. and the flexibility that comes with that where I can say, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to work today. I'm going to do something else. I need a little refresher. I'm just going to go and run around in the park and, and, uh, and play with balloons or whatever uh, <laughs> um, or play with my kids or, you know, uh, it's that that freedom and that ability to create something every day and bring new ideas to life uh it's it's something irreplaceable and i don't think i could ever go back i mean i've only ever had truly one sort of corporate job in my life and that's when i was uh i was a producer for the canadian broadcasting corporation and it was a great job i really enjoyed what i was doing but you know i was working for somebody else and it uh it just didn't feel right and it didn't resonate with me and um, you know, I will, I will continue to be an entrepreneur, uh, for the rest of my days. Right. It's like, no matter the struggle, it's a, at no matter what it costs, there's something about it that still makes it worth it at the end of the day. So uh, I'm sure that, you know, many have listened this far. Maybe they, they're like, Hey, I want to do a mountain bike tour. Maybe they just want to find out more about what you have going on. And they've got an idea that you might be able to help them with. What's going to be the best way for anyone listening right now to be able to catch up with you, uh, to catch up with you after they're done listening today? Uh, well, my website. It's uh, Mike Bercic, B-R-C-I-C dot com, M-I-K-E-B-R-C-I-C dot com. That's kind of my own personal website where I you know, have all the things that I do, my, uh, my company, the charity that I run, my online course, consulting, all, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I have a, a whole bunch of different websites, but they're all linked to from that, uh, uh, that one spot. And uh, I don't always do the best job of updating it, but it's generally pretty, <laughs> it's, it's pretty up to date. It's not like... You know, it's not like I've got a blog post there from 2012 uh, sitting there. It's, you know, it's usually about uh, a a month, current to at least a month. So that's good. That's good. Now, for I I have a final question for you, if you will. There's probably a person or two listening, and I'm sure you've dealt with them as well in all of the, you know, incubator clients and and things that you've, you've helped over the time. There's a person listening right now who, you know, they're thinking about becoming this superhero for the first time, or, or maybe again, you know, you know, maybe they took a few hits and, and they're like, okay, I'm gonna put my hat back in the ring. Or maybe they're like, I, I'm really going to step forward this time and make it happen. I am tired of this idea bugging me. I am pregnant with ideas. It's time to give birth. However, in the back of their head, Mike, they got that voice. And I know you are intimately familiar with that voice, that voice that always comes up just before you're about to have that breakthrough, just before you go out there to become and step into the greatness that you were born to be, that voice that often, too many times, we listen to and shrink back and and, and gives us the reasons why it won't work, why it can't happen, how we're not qualified. What I would love to hear from you is, what would you say to a person who's hearing that voice right now? Jay, you're full of great questions. Uh, I love it. Uh, and that's a great, great final question. Um, 
You know, I, I have spent a lot of my life uh, dealing with and managing fear and overcoming it. Uh, you know, when I lived out in the Rockies, I would, on a, on a daily or weekly basis, I would scare the crap out of myself. Uh, you know, whether it's, <laughs> whether it's jumping off a cliff on my skis or getting caught in an avalanche or you know, <laughs> going down a crazy trail on my bike. Uh, you know, I've always been a bit of a, a thrill seeker, but regardless of whether you're conservative or thrill seeker, there's always a line. There's always a line. And when you cross that, mm. when, when you're up against that line, you're scared, you're scared. Uh, and, and that, that fear is telling you to stop what you're doing. Sometimes that <laughs> when, you know, there's been times when, when I've gone over cliffs, I shouldn't have, uh, and I should have listened to the voice, but I've tried to, I've tried to learn from, from, that sort of physical approach and that sporting approach and apply that to the rest of my life and use those lessons in overcoming fear uh, in the rest of my life. And, uh, you know, for me, when, whenever I'm, I'm thinking of embarking on something new, typically when, when I hear that voice, that voice of fear, that voice of, of, you know, quote unquote reason telling me, what do you think you're doing? My God. Uh, Often I take that as a as a clue and a sign that this is the right way forward because that's kind of a natural self mechanism. Like what, what, it's funny how as humans, whenever whenever we're contemplating and on the verge of doing something great, that fear is that's when the fear kicks in the most. And I take that as a, I, I, now I've gotten to the point where I take that as a sign. Boy, boy, this is the way forward. You have to break through that fear and charge uh, charge through it. And you know. One of the ways uh, in the classes that I teach, I try to get my students comfortable with fear, with, with dealing with fear and managing it. And I give them little, uh, little, little fear challenges. Uh, Tim Ferriss does a good, uh, a good job of in, in his book. I think it's Four Hour Body, or maybe it's Four Hour Work Week. Uh, he has all these little fear challenges. But you know, I do things like I tell them, I want you to uh, for next week, I want you to get the phone number of an attractive uh, member. <laughs> of, of you know the opposite sex, the same sex, whatever whatever gender they're interested in, uh, and I, I want you to walk up to a stranger and get that phone number. And it's funny, you know the the reactions I get from students. They're like, "Oh my god, I was completely terrified, but I wanted to do it and I did it." And boy, oh boy, you know, in some cases it's hilarious the reactions they get, but in some cases they're just like they're blown away that you know something that they never would have done before. They're able to do it, and they're able to apply that to uh, you know to the rest of their lives. So. Uh, you know, figure out what's a what's a small thing I could do to that scares me, but that I could do today, and then up the ante a little bit each day or each week or something. Give yourself little challenges, and that's going to help you tackle those big things, the big life things, the big dreams, uh, goals. Nice, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, and for those of you who, are, if you're at the gym right now, I feel free feel free to take on that challenge that he just mentioned. Uh, because you're probably surrounded by someone that would fit the bill. So go talk to them. I, I'm sure it'll be fun. Now, I, I also want to say, Mike, I definitely appreciate, you know, everything that you've shared today and, and the amount of information that you've been able to bring in such a short period of time. And uh, just thank you very much for taking the time to to share your thoughts and ideas here with us at The Cashflow Diary. Well, thank you as well, Jay. It's been, uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for you to move at the speed of instruction. What does that mean today? Well, 
at minimum, it probably means you should pick up a book called Profit First and figure that thing out. And more importantly, just understand, stuff happens when you're in business. You could grow yourself broke. I thought that was pretty funny. And if we've learned nothing else today, that uh, it, it's okay if you realize that today that you are a bad employee, just go outside and play with some balloons. It's been fun talking to you guys today. I look forward to talking to you soon. Until next time. <laughs> 